Yeah, guess what our theme is for this season? Building! And I have a little toolkit here because hopefully we're going to put tools in your hands to build. And uh, I do have a hard hat, which I thought would be a bit much with my red dress and my red hat. But, uh, yeah, I am a bit much. But um, just from what we did, we made a, thank you, Lenore, we made a, um, a house. We tried to make a house. Um, it took a little bit of skill, <laughs> even though I had one to copy. But a builder, the master builder of any project, starts when there is nothing, when it's just all in his head, when he looks perhaps at a forest and looks at what trees he's got to take out, or around a dam, or a, along the seafront, or whatever. It's all in, it's in his imagination first. And we're going to look first as God, the master builder. And uh, he all starts, uh, he all starts, the whole story starts in the Bible. And I, I encourage you to bring your Bibles. I know we've got them on our phones, but there's something about the paper. <laughs> And about the notes I can make, that maybe I'm just old school, but does everybody have a notebook, by the way, that everybody remember? Because I've got a few, I brought extra, you're okay, good. Because that's what we're going to ask you to do. Um, uh, NCMI put up a, um, a post that said, it's not about going wider, it's about going deeper. And those are the skills I hope that you're going to have. By the time you finish, you not only will know how to build a paper house, but you will have a skill to go deeper. God started his story in Genesis. God has always existed. No one created God. Not even, he's not even a figment of my imagination. He always was. He always is. So he decided to create, to create heaven and earth. He created animals, the creepy crawly things, which I don't know about you. I think Satan had changed them. Yeah, (laughs) I think he tried to create the same things. Um, But he created the sea, the land, dust. You, you can't even begin to imagine how many stars there are, and he made them all. Even those that we, only, we still see that they say is probably um, they've extinguished, he knows. He knows and he has. He did all of that. He did all of that. I know that they've put another um, telescope up to go further than the Hubble, hey? The Hubble was the first one. It's called a man's name, I can't remember. Like the John Ross or whatever. And uh, to go out further, to see more. But he knows already what is there. We are still discovering. And in Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. It doesn't say in the beginning was God. In the beginning, God. He has 
the I am, he has always existed. But it's an interesting Hebrew word that is used for God there, and that's Elohim. In the Hebrew, if you ever see an I am sound after a word, it means plural. So it actually says, in the beginning, God's. Because God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God Jesus have always existed. The only time we speak about Jesus being the begotten son is actually when he became a man. That's the only time Jesus, uh, God referred to him as my begotten, my begotten son. That's the only time. God is Jesus, Holy Spirit, and uh, the Father. Exactly the same. Three in one. If you look at uh, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, it says, uh, it reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and it uses Elohim. So the Lord our God's, the Lord is one. One in unity. In, in uh, Hebrew, there's actually no number. So they use words for a number. And then the word for um, one is actually unity. So there's a unity. Often I describe the Trinity as almost like, uh, you know, when a man and woman, when they get married, they become one. But do we only see one? No, we still, we still see two, but they become one in unity. And so there's almost this reflection of the Trinity. There's this unity. And um, Elohim is the master builder. He is creator God. And it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're all in creation. If you just look at creation, God spoke, and uh, John 1 says that he he spoke the Logos, and Jesus was the manifestation of that Logos, the Rhema, when it all came into one. And it was all through the power of the Holy Spirit. All three were involved, Elohim. And I'm going to use that term so that you can see the whole unit, the unity of the unit of God being the three in one. God made... Everything out of nothing. Can you actually comprehend nothing? There's a story of some scientists who called for a meeting with God. And they said to him, okay, well, you know, good to meet you. But we actually want to tell you we don't need you anymore. We can now create perfect people. We can fix their genes even in the mother's womb. But even in a test tube, we can make the per we can fix anything that is defected. When you are involved, there's defect. We can do it perfectly. So God says, "Okay, I take your challenge. I'll create, and you create, and we will see who is perfect." So God reaches down into the dust, and He forms a man. Wow. So the scientists say, oh, no, we can do that too. So they reach down into the dust, and God says, uh-uh, go get your own dust. <laughs> That's exactly it. We always think we can outthink God. 
But out of nothing, his majestic voice just spoke and things came into being. And you know what the most amazing thing is, is that there's a law of thermodynamics, the third law of thermodynamics, sorry. How many of you know what that law is? Okay, everything moves from, um, uh, nothing can come from nothing to something. Everything moves from something, something to nothing. Everything breaks down. There's always this perfect becoming chaos. God created that law before there was even that law. And he reversed it. He operated outside of it. How many of you believe in gravity? There are two laws. There's gravity and there's aerodynamics. When you fly, there's a time that the plane is under so much stress because it's breaking one law to go into another law. And that's the most stressful time for that aeroplane. My brother told me that. And now every time I fly, I'm like, I'm waiting. Like, <laughs> let's just break this law here. But God created those laws out of nothing. Out of nothing. How awesome is he? Acts 17, verse 24 to 28. I'm not going to read it, but there's some statements from there. And at the end, I'll just, I'll hand you all the scriptures that I've used. I'll give, give it to you. But Elohim made the world and everything in it, and he said it was good. He is Lord of heaven and earth. You see those pictures of earth that are just this little blue ball floating in this immense universe. And it's, it's, I don't know about you, but I look at it and I'm always, wow, I can't believe that we inhabit that little planet. He is not a figment of human imagination. That's what Act 17 says. He determined where and when people would live. Do you think you are in control of your life? <laughs> he chose. He chose. He chose your parents. He chose your intelligence. He chose everything. And the reason he did that was so that man would actually look for him, Elohim. He did everything we could not choose for ourselves to show us that he is God, Elohim. And it goes on to say, it's in him we move and live and have our being. Whether I'm a believer or not, I exist because he chose for me to exist. It's quite an awesome thought, hey? He is the master builder. Have you ever been told a story and then the person never finishes it? I have to always find out about a movie or a series, like what's in it before I start? Because I cannot stand an unfinished story. So sometimes when I'm starting a movie and there's all sorts of whatever, I think, oh no, I've got to know how it ends, so I'll go and Google it. <laughs> And then there's a spoiler alert. There's a, a website I go to just to find out how the story ended. 
And so God, as the master builder of the story, is going to bring it to an end. There is an end to the story. It's not just my beginning and my end. It's his beginning and his end. No one can ask him, this master builder, what are you doing? Why did you make me like that? In fact, somebody once said, um, you know, God makes fat and thin. No, 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 no. I have just spent two weeks eating chips, lying on a bed, and chocolate. I did this. It wasn't God. How many times do we decide where we want to go or what we want to do? I decide on my terms how I'm going to serve God or whether I'm not going to serve him. We're so used to being in control of everything or wanting to be in control that we forget the one who is in control. He is Elohim. What about your dreams, your visions, your, your passions? Are there things you want to do? I've always wanted to be an artist. Yeah, we'll leave that to the artists. But I grew up in a, a very talented family and I always try to be like them. Always. I was never happy with who I was. Then when I got saved, and it, it's got a lot to do with my story of how I came to know the Lord. But when I um, asked the, uh, I, I mean, when I got saved, I said to the Lord, I don't like the gifts you've given me. I'm a woman and I have a little bit of a strong personality. I'm a teacher and a leader. Do you know the heartache that goes with that in some places? So I've, there were times I would cry and say, Lord, just give me a gift of helps or service. I think we all got to serve, we all got to help. But if I had that gift, people would love me and accept me. <laughs> well, men would anyway. But it's all about Elohim. It's all about his hopes. He is building his kingdom. He is the cornerstone. I've got this box here. He's the cornerstone. We are the little stones that build on the cornerstone. We are never the cornerstone. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless... The Lord builds the house. We labor in vain. So we can still be doing our own thing, but it's going to come to nothing. Hebrews 12, verse 28 to 29 says, We are being built into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's face it. If we look at history from the beginning of time, there are times of shaking. In our lifetime, I think it's COVID. But there's a shaking that will happen where man has built his kingdom. It'll collapse. But there is a kingdom God is building that will never be shaken. And he is a consuming fire. He is holy. He will never be extinguished. John 14 verse 3 says, he is not, It's not only about this life. He is preparing a place for me. 
in the future where we will be eternally. He is going to come and take us to himself and we will live with him eternally. Do you know of any other God that could make that promise? That when you die, you will be with me. No. None. Only Elohim. There will be two judgments. Believers will face one judgment, and that's called the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where you will get your rewards. Your sin has already been judged. You will never stand and have your sin judged because Jesus took it all. He took it all. But unbelievers are going to face a judgment and there's no second chance. And even though I've heard that there's a theory that Jews face two judgments. No, 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 no. The church is Jew and Gentile in one body. There's only one way to Jesus. At that judgment, there is no second chance. That is eternal life, uh, that's eternal living. I can't even call it life. That's eternal living in the kingdom of darkness where there is no love, no hope. If in God's kingdom there are no tears, then I can only imagine in that kingdom of darkness, there's loads of tears. If there's no sickness in God's kingdom, I can only imagine in that kingdom, it's COVID 24-7, or Spanish flu 24-7, or the plague 24-7. So, so what do we do? I have to challenge you. Do you believe Elohim is your Lord. That's actually what I've got to, that's my pl- beginning place. John said, uh, when, when um, Jesus was asked, what can I do to be saved? He, uh, no, no, it wasn't Jesus. It was disciples were asked in Acts. What can we do to be saved? It's believe. And then in my lifestyle, you will see what I believe. Do you accept him? or reject him as the cornerstone? Are you for him or against him? There's no middle road. Will you choose to serve him today? We're all gonna face that judgment, every single one of us, a good one or a not so good one. In fact, a violent one, but we can choose today. So I want to give you a skill. I don't know what particular tool it will be. So you're going to need your notebook and you're going to need your Bible now. If you want to get it all out. Oh, thanks, Lenore. I'm going to give you an alternative to how to do a quiet time. And maybe you do exactly this. But if I'm saying it all begins with God, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever been chased by an elephant. Okay, I want to tell you it is the scariest, scariest thing I have ever been through. We, uh, we um, uh, camped out uh, in a, 
we went to Botswana, and Botswana is not the Kruger National Park. Botswana has a boom, but no gates. <laughs> so any animal can come in while you are busy doing your bra or whatever, and an elephant came right next to us. Oh, nearly died. And, um, well, I think I screamed so loud that the elephant thought, oh, interesting trumpet sound there. But, but the whole, the, you know, how, how many of you will handle a crocodile? Do you know that they can come out of the egg and bite your finger off? You know, Job 42, say, when, when uh, God and Job were, when Job was trying to reason with God, Job, uh, God said to Job, you treat the crocodile and the elephant and the hippo with such respect, but I created them. There's something God demands of us. And so I want to encourage you to have time with God every day. Every day. So I'm going to challenge you now. When will be the best time in the day for you? Is it early morning, late morning, early afternoon, late afternoon, evening or night? Just think about it. Write it down and commit to it. You are not going to grow unless you are spending time with Elohim. You're not. A I, 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 hundred years ago when I was a youth pastor, I had a sword. I still got it somewhere. A big sword and, and I made a little paper sword. And, uh, and I said to the kids, you know what? Sometimes we fight the devil with this little paper sword. It's a little verse I read somewhere or something somebody said on Sunday or whatever. And I try and fight him off. And he looks at me like I'm pathetic. You know? He's the great dragon and I'm just going to use a little paper. I have to take the sword of the spirit to be able to fight the warfare and to have victory. And so that's why I'm asking you for a commitment. I know most of you do it already. But I know that there are times in my life when it's like, oh, life is too busy, or I sit and I daydream, and then I think I've had a quiet time. So choose that time. And start off with prayer. Because I don't know about you, but I also make my shopping lists and do all sorts of things. But if I pray, there's an awesome promise that Paul said, Ask the Lord to take your thoughts captive and make it obedient to him. So he gives it all to us. So there are two things. I'm going to give you an example of two that I have used, but you can choose anything. You can choose a devotional. I don't like devotional because for me, they sometimes put words in God's mouth that he hasn't. Put in, you know, it's like sometimes it's their interpretation of what God has said. So I prefer to just use the word. And there are two ways I do it. I sometimes concentrate on an attribute of God. So um, as an example now, 
I've chosen omniscient. God knows everything. He's all-knowing, all-wise, and he is um, in everything. He's before everything, and he's after everything. I'm only here today. There's nothing I can do about my past. There's nothing I can do about my future, but he can. Because he's in it. He's present tense. I am. So on that little piece of paper that I gave you, there's Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Psalm 44, uh, verse 21. Um, Well, it's all there on that piece of paper. But I'm just going to read some statements. And you think about it. So what I do is when I read it, I ask questions. And the question I always ask, because you know what, sometimes I want the bless me little verse. You know, the one that says that I'm with you, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Yes, thank you, God. But what does that statement teach about God? Just changing your, uh, a question about how to look at it, not from what it, 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 he has done for me, but what does it reveal about Elohim? And I break it down further. What does it reveal to me about Holy Spirit, about Jesus, and about the Father? And then I think about it. So in Isaiah 46, it says, God knows everything from the beginning to the end. So I will wait and think, what does that reveal to me about the Father, about Jesus, and about Holy Spirit? Well, he is in everything. Everything. Psalm uh, 44 says, he knows the secret of my heart. You know that even my own heart can deceive me. I'd hate to admit it. Don't tell Bill I said that. But I can be deceived by my own emotions, my feelings. I've also noticed as I've got older that my hormones or my brain can deceive me. But God will never deceive me. He knows what is secret in every heart, even if it's a secret from me. And he will reveal it. He will. There are times I've... I've said to the Lord, you know how we complain about our husbands? Well, maybe it's only me. But I'll say, you know, Lord, he doesn't treat me with respect. You know, the Lord one day showed me I was just like the accuser of the brethren. I was just like Satan was bringing an accusation in front of him. And I changed my prayer and I said, okay, Lord, you know the secrets in my heart but if you change my heart or reveal to me what I need to change, then you will um, make me more beautiful. I, I used to pray change bull too. I don't anymore because God changed me in all those prayers, but I won't waste time with that. But Um, there's also Psalm 139, God knows everything about me. We were in India when um, uh, we were in New Delhi. How many have been to India? 
Okay, you either love it or you hate it. I love it. I think, you know, I've got Dutch roots, and I said to my dad once, you know, Dad, I think that our family, uh, were, you know, that through the Dutch East India Company, I think I've got uh, Indian blood. He told me I was daft, but I love India. The sights, the smells, the, there is nothing on planet Earth like India. And we were coming, the train had stopped. Listen, that's another whole example altogether. But we stopped at Delhi Station, and you cannot imagine the people. You can't. We had to get off the uh, train, but you, there's no space to put your foot down like that. So it's like you've got to kind of get in between people. And as you lift your foot to put it down, there are people feet there. You can't imagine it. And so <laughs> we were standing on the train and Adele was in front, I was behind. And uh, Adele just looked at all this. She said, I can't believe it. I cannot believe how many people, you, you, uh, no picture can actually even do it for you. And I started laughing, you know, yeah, well, let's see where we can get down. And, um, and she said, do you know, God knows how many hairs are on everyone's head here. That is awesome. God knows the secret that is in every one of these people's hearts. How big is our God? Can we even begin to imagine? He knows everything. And so in my quiet time, I'll take that quality and I will journal about what God reveals to me about himself. Because I want to go deeper, I want to know him. It's not just about how he's going to bless me. And other times, I, I don't know if you have got a Bible that has headings in it, you know, sort of paragraph headings. Okay, I take a paragraph heading. Generally, I'll do it in the, in, in the New Testament, um, but feel free to do it in the Old Testament if you want to. Right now, I, who's reading through the Bible? Oh, well done. I am in Exodus already, and the reason I'm ahead of you is I had two weeks flat on my back eating chips. Anyway, and reading. <laughs> but um, I read a passage or a paragraph, and so the example I've given on your piece of paper is Matthew eleven twenty-five to 30, because it's, the heading was, come to me and I will give you rest. So I will read it. Let's read it together. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Elohim, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Sure. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. 
All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. None of us are going to understand Elohim in its fullest. None of us. But, but Elohim will reveal himself to us. But we've got to sit and take time to do it. It's not going to happen just popping into your head, right? No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Yeah. If I just stop there, what do I learn about Elohim? He chooses to show me who he is. You know, have you ever tried explaining the internet to an ant? Have you tried? Did they understand? Can they use it? That's our infinite God chooses to reveal himself to us, finite man. That is just so awesome. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So very often we'll stop and say, okay, what does that reveal for me? What does that mean to me? Don't fall into that trap. Pray and ask God, what does that reveal about the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit? Because then my, I lift my eyes from me to God, the creator of heaven and earth. And I get to know him. And then when I've done that, I also ask, okay, how does this truth that I've learned about God, how do I work it out into my circumstance? Because we all live in chaos. <laughs> There's something that doesn't always go according to plan. Uh, I planned to come home on the 18th of December and I only came home on the 2nd of January. <laughs> That was my plan. But when I focus on God, God always knew that would happen because he's all-knowing. And he says that come to me. So he's approachable. So every time I got the bad news that uh, either myself or Kaylee had, had tested positive for COVID, it can't shake me. Because I'm part of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. God always knew that. So we, so actually it was wonderful because I didn't have all the Christmas busyness. <laughs> I wasn't here for Bill's birthday. I wasn't here for Bill's COVID. And I also wasn't here for New Year. So none of the busyness of this life touched me. I could pray, I could read, I could just talk about the Lord with Kaylee 24-7. It was an amazing time, but everybody else was anxious to get me back. 
I said, no, I'm happy. But, but it, it, when we look at it in our uh, context, in our circumstance, but it, it can be a horrible, frustrating time. It messed up a lot of plans, loads of plans. It cost us quite a bit of money because we put deposit on places we were going to go and visit and they won't give it back. So there were, it cost us 22,000 rand to stay for two weeks in the two of us and we didn't live lavishly. So when you, it cost when you look at it. But God, but God, the creator of the universe never left us for a second. He gave us time to just look at him, to see him. And you know, it's interesting when we go on mission, we all want to do ministry. We couldn't do any ministry because we were in lockdown. So you feel it's a total waste of time, but he knew, he knew. So I want to make you a promise. If you start doing what I've, a tool, if you use this tool I've just put in your hands and you build it into your life, there's a promise in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, if I com contemplate or behold or look at the Lord's glory, not my glory or the glory of what he's doing, his glory, if I just look at his glory, he will, the word there is metamorph, which means I will go from a worm into a butterfly. He will metamorph me into his image. So if you will take the time, and that is my challenge, and that was Lenore's challenge, if, if you will take the time to do this, you will change from glory to glory. You will. Because you'll be beholding his glory and he will do the work. It's not a work you're going to do. It's as you see him get bigger and more powerful and more than anything you've ever thought, dreamt or imagined, that your life will change. And then we will know God and we will make him known. So that is my challenge to you. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, be confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it. So don't do this in the flesh. Don't do this so that you can mark off one thing. Do it because you, you are going to behold the glory of God. And if you miss it, you've missed it big time. Do you know the party you always missed that was the best party ever? That's what it's going to feel like. He is building us into his kingdom. We are living stones, just like these little houses on this big cornerstone. We are the living stones that he is busy building. We don't ask him, what are you doing? Or when are you going to be finished with me? Or what, what can I do for the Lord? You know, we all want to do something for him. It's just beholding his glory and being changed into his image. So I'm going to challenge you. Will you do that for the next two weeks? Will you have a testimony of how big your God is? Let's pray.